Next Sunday, what time? 11 o'clock. And what are you supposed to bring next Sunday, by the way? Bring your chairs. That's right. So uh, bring you some lawn chairs, whatever, um, and pray sunblock. Yeah, sunblock. Pray that it's good and uh, sunny out there. Uh, it was beautiful, beautiful last year. We, we certainly hope it's the same this year as well. Um, you know, this morning, last week we talked about the, the shepherd. We talked about, about God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, the example that was set. And now we look at shepherding the flock from within, the under-shepherd, the one that has been put here for um, leading, feeding, protecting and Peter is going to set out for us um, a message in his letter. And as he's writing here, he's wanting the people to understand that, first of all, as a shepherd, there comes many, many blessings. But as a shepherd, the greatest blessing that we receive actually comes when we are with Christ, when we are stand before that judgment seat and we're given the reward for the stuff that we've done here. And so a shepherd has to understand that putting aside accolades, putting those things where we don't worry about them here because we're going to receive those when we get to heaven. That's the focus of a good minister, a good pastor, able to not have to have the pat on the back and not have to hear the well done because we're not working for anyone other than the Lord. So it's, uh, it's important we understand that this is where he's coming from this morning. So let's stand together as we read from 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We always stand in honor of God's word and very thankful uh, to do so. The elders who are among you, verse 1 says, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, and we thank you for this gift, the gift of the call to shepherd. Father, it is uh, oftentimes a, a task that comes with, with burden. We, we're burdened for the people that we shepherd. We're burdened for, uh, Father, people who have walked away, for those who are struggling. But we also, Father, are thankful for those, God, who have taught us, who have walked with us. This church has blessed me for 17 and a half years. And I have so many to be thankful for in this church who have walked beside me, helped to, Kathy and I walk through tough times. And Father, they have watched our daughter grow and get married. Father, we are truly blessed. And I thank you for that. Lord God, today, deal with our hearts, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. First of all, a shepherd an elder, one that we look at, recognized biblically as a, a helper, one who comes alongside the flock and, and does the job of the helper, uh, looking to assist and give aid. One of the things that I have enjoyed as a pastor of this church is uh, getting to go into your home, getting to visit you when you're uh, 
celebrating life, when you're dealing with hardships in life, uh, one of the hardest things during COVID is figuring out how to shepherd. Back when this was so, uh, I don't know, I don't even want to go there, but just when everything was shut down and everybody didn't, nobody knew what to do. So they kicked you out of hospitals and nursing homes. And by the way, pray for your nursing homes. Folks, those people are lonely. They are so lonely. They are so, uh, we, we get to talk to some of them on occasion and they said, we just wish you could come. But serving during COVID, shepherding during COVID, we had to figure some things out. It, it, it became hard. It, it became a greater burden because we felt as though we were helpless. But you know what God taught us? That there's new ways. You adapt <laughs> and you push through. And that's what we've had to learn this past year is you adapt and you push through. I'm thankful we can put stuff out online. We, we've been able to do so many different things this past year that we would have never known we could do without COVID. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not happy COVID happened, but it, it taught us that we can figure things out by the will and power of Almighty God. So an elder is a helper, one who comes alongside, one that celebrates with you, cries with you, mourns with you, laughs with you. There's someone who comes along, not just with those reasons, but spiritually a helper, spiritually one who can teach, one who can lead, one who can guide. The ultimate goal of the shepherd is to grow his church spiritually. A lot of people over the past few years have thought, well, if your church has a lot of people in it, that means you're doing something good. Well, then if you look at the television preachers, their churches are full. And for the majority of them, they're not doing anything good. So the most important aspect of being a helper as an elder is to bring your congregation along with you spiritually, to grow them, to mature them, to grow them in the faith, to bring them up, to be strong believers. And the ultimate goal for the shepherd is to see other shepherds come out of his flock. There is nothing greater than for a pastor who one day gets to go and attend someone's church who attended his church when they were young. You want to grow other shepherds, bring them up spiritually, have them understand that role. And so we see that word shepherd, one who's doing his job. David was a shepherd. David was a, a shepherd as a young man, and then he became a shepherd of the kingdom as king. And we all know that there were times that David wasn't a good shepherd. And there were times that David was a fantastic shepherd. You say, why are you telling us this? Because God's grace kept David going. And so that there's times when your shepherds are going to not do a great job shepherding the flock. What do you do for your shepherd? Well, you talk about them. That's the Baptist way of doing it, right? Baptist way when the shepherd messes up, well, let's talk about, let's talk about the pastor. I don't think it's just the Baptist way, by the way. I think that's in pretty much any sort of organization. When the leader doesn't do something that everybody likes, we begin to talk about that leader. We, we don't go to the leader himself, but we talk about the leader. But you know, one thing I'll say, and I'm thankful for in this church, you have been willing to come and sit down with me, and you will talk to me, and we'll talk through things. That is such a beautiful thing to have. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people who have probably talked about me, but I can't think of a better subject right? I mean, I get it. 
I get it. I just want you to know that. I understand. But, um, yeah, did that almost deserve the... No, not even close. Okay, I tried. You have high standards. <laughs> I just can't meet them, can I? When we're shepherding and we mess up, let me ask you the most important thing from you. Give me grace. Give me grace. Because when you mess up, what do you want from your shepherd? You want grace. Now, that means that we're the caretaker of the sheep or the goats, a guide and a helper. And in every church, there are both sheep and what? Goats. The problem is a lot of time the old, go- I mean, the goats don't know that they're goats. They think they're sheep. How do you know a goat as a pastor? A goat is the one who can never be satisfied. A goat is the one who can never be happy. A goat is the one that if you were to give them a million dollars, they would want a million and one. But what's the shepherd supposed to do? He's supposed to continue to serve even the goat. He's to serve whoever God puts in front of him. He's to pastor them, to lead them, to shepherd them, to guide them, to be their helper, to lead them spiritually, to bring them to a place where they can fully trust in Christ, to bring them to a place where the Spirit of God actually transforms who they are from the inside out. So who's my flock? Well, they're the followers of Christ. My prayer in this room is that you know the Lord. But I also know that in this room there are a lot of people who are not saved, people who have never given their life to Christ. There are a lot of religious people. That doesn't make you a Christian. There are a lot of church people, but that doesn't make you a Christian. But those who are followers of Christ... That's the flock of God. Those who have entrusted themselves to the grace of Christ, who have entrusted themselves to the cross of Christ, who have entrusted themselves to the blood of Christ, who have said, Lord, I have nothing good to give you, but I bring it anyway. And God says, I will take that and I will forgive the filth and the trash and the sin. And I will give you purpose. And when God does that for us, we become followers of Christ and the flock. Let me tell you what the flock is supposed to do. The flock is supposed to love one another, grow in Christ, spiritually mature, and bring others to the fellowship of Christ, following after him. But the shepherd must set the example This is part of it. This is part of what we do. So let's read this together. Let's go back to 1 Peter 5. We're going to go through this real, kind of just uh, dissect it together. The elders who are among you, I exhort. Peter is speaking to those who have been called as shepherds, as elders, those who have uh, spiritual maturity, those who have a servant's heart. He is speaking to them here. He says, I who am a fellow elder. Now, in this case, he's saying in a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now he has brought out his apostleship. He says, I personally witnessed, I walked with Christ. Therefore, he was an apostle. And he was making that known to them. So he's coming to them with authority is what he's doing. And he says, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. You see, what he's saying is, listen, 
Elders, I know that at times it can be hard to shepherd the sheep, but remember your reward is not now. Your reward is to come. He is letting them know, hang in there because you don't work for the now. You work for what is coming. But isn't that really the heart of every Christian? And that shouldn't that be how we all are is that we are all working for what is coming. We shouldn't just want the things of this world, but what is coming to us. Then verse two says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. This comes with a great deal of responsibility. When I was a young pastor, brand new, sitting in Lufkin, Texas at Crossroad Baptist Church. There we are together. My wife is scared to death. It was true. I was scared to death. We're sitting here at this church. We're looking at our situation. And the one thing that I knew is that I had a wife who would stand beside me. If you're going to shepherd a flock, you have to have a spouse that will stand with you. I have been blessed with that. There have been times that it has not been easy. There have been times where things were great, but there have been a lot of times where it was just hard. But there we were in that first church, scared to death, praying daily, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You see, what I want you to understand, I feel responsible. Now, I know that I'm not, but I have been given the task to share the gospel. And you almost, as a pastor, feel responsible for seeing to it that you receive the gospel. But that's the job of the Holy Spirit, not mine. But as a shepherd of the flock, you, you, you feel responsible. You feel responsible when people do something dumb. What could I have done to change that? What could I have done to, to help them? Why didn't, as a pastor, I see that coming? And a good shepherd feels burden for his sheep. He looks at his sheep and he cares for his sheep. He knows his sheep. He knows their strengths and he knows their weaknesses. So God calls us to shepherd the flock, which is among us. And then he says, serving as as overseers. Serving as overseers. Serving here is the word I want to bring out. You see, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, that is the task. That is what people are looking for. A sign of a good shepherd is one who would be willing to give his life for his sheep. He puts himself in harm's way to save his sheep. He puts upon his own shoulders the task of, of breaking through walls and barriers that his church is facing. He puts upon his own shoulders the task of praying through things for families that are hurting. Why? Because that's what Christ did for us. And the very thing that I, as a pastor for Pine Island Baptist, feel, I feel a burden to see you live a life of victory. And I watch so many 
just barely get by. And I want to see victory in your life. So as a pastor, we, we give ourselves to our flock. We, we serve, even if it hurts. That's why the strength of a good wife is so important. And the prayers of a good wife are so important. But then we see another. It says, not by compulsion, but willingly. A lazy preacher won't cut it. Just because you pastor church doesn't mean your church is going to grow. You got to get up. You got to go. There's so much that has to be done. There's so much that, that is there within the church that has to be worked on and has to be dealt with. And we go willingly. We go excited. We're thankful. We're good. We're, we're glad to be a part. We serve with gladness. We suffer with joy. We fight for our flock. We cannot be lazy. Willingly we go. Because the call of the pastor is to get up and go. This is part of what God has dealt with our hearts with is this is what I've called you to. I've called you to serve with gladness, suffer with joy, and fight for your flock. Folks, I have been called out in the middle of the night to come stand by some of you. You've lost a loved one. Your child's been in a wreck. Your spouse suddenly passed. And it's in those moments, it is in those moments that I watch God do a work. You see, no words can be expressed by a human to calm the pain of a heart that's suffering. My words are not what's important. It's my presence and my prayers that you know are going up at that moment. That's why you want your pastor there. And I come with joy. I come because I want to stand by you and serve you. I fight for the flock. Listen listen to what Paul said in in, in Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. There comes a point where as a pastor, as a under-shepherd, you are helping to protect your flock. You're fighting for your flock, and you're allowing them to know these teachers are false. This person's false. Don't listen to this music. Don't do those things, because it is our job to make sure you are focused upon the true word of God and not a perverted word. So you fight for your flock. You pay attention to things that are happening around us. You keep up with the trends in Christian life. Because a lot of the trends that we see nowadays have no biblical authority whatsoever. It is just how you feel at the moment. 
we have to defend and fight for our flock. Then we keep going. We read again here. He says, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I'm sorry, let's go back in the next verse. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over them, over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Not for dishonest gain. How many of you have watched some of these television pastors tell you that if you will just send your money, right? If you'll just send in your $25, I'm going to send you some prayer rag that I supposedly prayed over that I just ordered online recently. And I had my staff touch the boxes. But if you'll send your money, you're going to be blessed. That's dishonest gain. That that is using someone else's own need for your personal gain. Demagoguery, demagogue, this idea of one who obtains power by the means of impassioned appeals to the emotions and prejudice of the popular. In other words, I am using the church as a source of wealth and prosperity by playing upon its weaknesses. That is what a lot of these preachers are doing nowadays. They are taking within themselves their flock and saying, you are going to support me and make me wealthy. And the Bible says that is wrong, but that is exactly what we're seeing in so many different churches. So as a leader, as a pastor, as an overseer, there are three things we must watch. Laziness. Dishonest. And the idea of using your flock. My job is not to use the flock. My job is to serve the flock. My job is to give to the people. And let me just say this. I am extremely thankful for Pine Island Baptist Church. Because you have blessed us beyond measure. And you have taken good care of us. You have walked with us when we were hurting. You have stood with us through medical issues. One of the wonderful things about being a pastor are the very people that you pastor. It's a blessing. But to be one who walks as a true shepherd, you agree to live for the next life. And you put off today's pleasure for tomorrow's eternity. And to hear, well done thy good and faithful servant. Pray for your pastor. Pray for those who lead you here. 
one of the simple, simplest gestures that I have watched over this past year. I'm not going to do it, but if I were to ask Toddle to come up, he could tell you the exact order that Miss Barbara Wren wants on her Whataburger hamburger. He, he knows exactly what to order for her. And you get the okay to pass that through that door and they take it back there to her and she gets to eat her Whataburger hamburger. That may not seem like much to you, but if you're in a nursing home and you haven't got to see your family, that Whataburger hamburger represents something, doesn't it? You got to learn that as life changes, you got to adapt. And you keep pushing forward. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. Pray for us. Pray for Todd and Crystal. Pray for all those who are in that role of under-shepherd. Our biggest issue is that we're still human. And we're going to make mistakes. And you can ask my wife, I might even do something dumb. Quite often. often. (laughs) There it was. I knew it was coming. Mm. I did. I paused too long. But the grace that has been shown to me, I pray, has been the same grace that has been shown to you. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you, God, that you love us, that you call us to serve your body, to serve your people. And God, that means that we are willing to put off today what we will gain for all eternity. Just to hear those words, well done. Just to know that you have entrusted us with the lives of people. Wow. That makes me tremble on the inside. Lord God, if I as a pastor will rely upon your spirit and upon your word then all things are possible in Christ Jesus. And it's at that moment that I can do all things. But on my own, impossible. So, Father, deal with our hearts today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.